Are you ready for hockey-related anxiety and more? Are you ready for hockey-related anxiety and more? Are you ready for hockey To another episode of Hockey Related Anxieties and More. I'm Andrew, and of course, we're joined by Tyler Delal. And today we have a very special guest on the show, as we've got former captain of the Manitoba Moose, who played with the Moose and the Ice Caps. Please welcome to the show SJR alumni, Mr. Peter Stoikowicz. Mr. Stoikowicz, thank you for joining us today. Not a problem at all. Happy to be here with you guys. All right, so let's just kind of start with how have you been recently and kind of what have you been up to during quarantine? <laughs> quarantine's been going on for a while now hey eh? yeah. uh, you know what uh started off just like everyone else like didn't really know what was going on tried to stay home tried to stay out of the way of you know the frontline workers doctors um people that were you know helping us to to help the people that have been affected by this this obviously awful um sickness and, and disease that's been going around so um laid low for a while and then uh, when everything kind of got shut down there um you know did the same took some time and um hockey ended there kind of reflected on that uh ended up retiring which is uh, a crazy thing to say at, at 28 years old but uh did that and then uh switched switched careers and and got got my feet off the ground with something something new so um miss hockey a lot and uh you know just trying to uh wait out this pandemic hope everyone gets their vaccines and we can get back to normal here uh really soon yeah other than uh being a linesman have you picked up any hobbies during the quarantine you know what my my wife had me knitting at one point if you can believe that so um i have a little kid on the way uh june 3rd i'm expecting my first kid and uh so excited about that so uh I, I haven't done a lot and I can't say I'm any good at all, but I did knit a, uh, a little blanket. So uh, there's, there's that. Well, congratulations on your kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom does a lot of knitting, so that's just kind of a sub point. So uh, <laughs> now let's move on to growing up playing hockey. Did you ever play hockey for us, JR? I didn't, no. Um, I think I, at, at one point we, uh, I don't know if it still goes on. It's, we, it was called the rookie tournament at that time. It was always grade nine and tens. Uh, it was kind of just a weekend thing at, at Dakota arena. They would, they would hold it. And, um, you know, every, every high school would, would put in a team of just grade nine and tens and you didn't have to play on the team during the year, nothing like that. So, uh, it was always kind of, it was at a time of the year when you weren't playing for your winter team. So, um, you know, regardless of whether you played for SJR or not, you'd suit up and, and that was a fun time. So got to wear the Ravens court colors that time. But, uh, but other than that, never really uh, suited up for them. Mm-hmm. What house yeah. were you in at SJR? <laughs> Richardson. Yeah. Same with me. Yeah. Um, my, uh, 
I, I, I have two brothers as well. Both went to Ravenscourt as well. So my older brother um, was in Richardson there and, and was two years older than me. So kind of had a good, good feeling of, of where I'd end up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, were there some teachers that you remember from SJR? I remember them all, honestly. I like all the way through. I remember every single teacher I had. A lot aren't there anymore. Um, a lot still are. You know, I I was in uh, uh, Mr. Dawes's class in grade five. Uh, uh, is Mr. Jones still there? Um, what what would what class he was, grade would he? Be he in? was a he was a social studies history teacher, and uh, I had him in grade seven and eight. Um, you know. If he uh, if he is he doesn't work in uh, middle school anymore he would be high school now but um, gotcha yeah gotcha yeah yeah I can I can remember the whole the whole crew all the way through the Landrevels you know had oh, a good yeah. class with them so um, yeah great, it was a great place I loved it I have I have great memories of SJR and um, and the and the teaching staff as well yeah. Now transitioning to hockey, um, what was it like playing in the MJHL for the first time? That was uh, that was a pretty eye-opening experience for me, honestly. I was 16 my first year. Uh, again, that, that brother that I referred to earlier, Adam, um, he kind of paved the way for me for most things I did growing up. So he was actually on the Blues and, and he was in his second year my first year. So he kind of knew the ropes, what what uh, kind of the steps were as a rookie, kind of how to break into the league, that kind of thing. Um, and and I kind of prepared for that as well. Like I took summer classes uh, outside of SJR to, so I can have an extra spare in grade 11 and 12 because I knew we'd be on the road a lot, traveling, that kind of thing. So um, had a little bit lighter co- course load during the year, during the winter there. So I can uh, missed a few classes, <laughs> missed a few days here and there traveling around. Here's my cat. She- <laughs> stop by to say hi um but yeah so so the mj was kind of a unique uh it's at at 16 not a lot of 16 year olds played at the time i don't know if they still have the rule but it was capped at two per team so uh so not a lot of people really did that and um i just wanted to get into the junior ranks as quickly as i could i knew i wanted to go to college and didn't necessarily want to go to the whl and wanted to finish school at sjr that kind of thing so the mj allowed me to do that and um kind of just took it from there Mm -hmm. so speaking of uh, actually that's jumping too far ahead uh i forgot i can never pronounce demois is it demois or des moines it's des moines right des moines yeah i cannot remember to pronounce (laughs) with the of course you were drafted to the us ushl i can't speak uh third overall by the des moines buccaneers uh when how did you figure out you were drafted and what did you think of the of where you were drafted you know what um i may i don't know if i got drafted to the ushl twice or what so it's a little bit of a unique situation between the ushl and and canadian junior leagues and and really it's all kind of facilitated by college hockey and and the division one program so really what happened in a quick uh nutshell here was i was i committed to colorado college my 17 year old year in the manitoba junior league and and how it works is the division one colleges 
want you to play in, in the best leagues possible kind of before you come to school. Mm-hmm. So because there are, you know, 40 colleges out there and uh, there aren't that many junior leagues, there are essentially two junior leagues in, in the U.S. or in the U.S., yeah, the USHL and the NAHL, that depending on the college you go to, they kind of have not affiliations, but they usually – recruit a lot from from those two junior leagues so Colorado College uh had a connection with Des Moines and Des Moines was coached by a former assistant coach of the Colorado College Tigers where I played university hockey so what happened was they essentially Colorado College knew who I was and I was committed to Colorado College so so they gave Des Moines a phone call and said we have a NHL draft pick here up in Canada um why we'll recommend that he comes to you if you guys draft him kind of thing. So, so that's kind of how it all shakes out. And that was kind of honestly my first experience into the political side of hockey. And Mm. uh, as you kind of move up the ranks, you learn that side of it as well. But um, yeah, really what happened there was, was CC uh, Colorado college where I went to school kind of facilitated the whole thing. So I could play uh, one year in the U S before I went to school. So so did you know you're going um, to Des Moines before then or did you or did they just do that behind the scenes? Uh, you know what? I, I honestly can't remember. Um, I don't know. I don't remember getting a phone call. I don't remember anything about it. It's, it's very different than kind of the other drafts like you watch. I remember watching the WHL draft at school in the computer lab. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And all your friends are kind of watching it. That kind of, that. Uh, so that was obviously there's kind of everybody knows about it there's a hype around it the mjhl drafts kind of the same thing because you know um all your friends are getting drafted as well the ushl drafts a little different because they typically draft just ushl or sorry u.s born players um but i was kind of in that in that boat where colleges were recruiting me that kind of thing so they were telling me you i don't know if if des moines ever saw me play a game before i stepped on the ice in des moines but uh that kind of connection through colorado college uh got me there now i heard you say the computer lab so just sorry about the computer lab so now it's no longer the computer lab they changed it to the idea lab um, yeah. now they have a giant wall or when you enter the the computer lab or it's now the idea lab because they there's still computers in there but you just you it's more for creative stuff like you build the marshmallow challenge i don't know if you've heard of that yeah so yeah yep. i know you're talking about that in the computer lab a lot or before pre-covid when i was in junior school i think that would have yeah. been like, or that's what they call it at least in canada or in sjr sorry junior school which would have been like grade four or five tyler five Five, okay. And so now they have this wall with where you put Lego on it and you can build stuff and you can attach it to the wall. It's a cool thing. So that's just what's become of the computer lab. Yeah. But you, you said something about being drafted. So let's talk about how you were drafted by the Atlanta Thrashers in the seventh round, 199th overall. Uh, how did you figure out about that, about you being drafted? So that one was, that one was kind of cool. Um, Actually, I was playing in the Manitoba Junior League at the time, and I got, I think I was ranked, uh, I forget what I was, but either way, I was ranked by Central Scouting. I don't know if if that's even still a thing, but um, okay, yeah, so so essentially the draft rankings came out mid-year and end of year, 
And I was ranked uh, decently high on both of them. And, and being in the Manitoba Junior League, you didn't see a whole lot of that. So um, I kind of knew I was on the radar and, and on the map. And I got to play in a couple tournaments that year. I got to play in the CJHL Prospects game and then uh, the World Junior A Challenge. So I played for Team Canada there. And um, when you go to these kind of things, the, the top kind of row is all NHL scouts. And that's kind of was my first experience kind of playing in front of them. So I got to, I got a little bit of exposure there and knew I had a shot at being drafted. Now, typically, you know, you watch everybody's seen round one on TV where guys come up to the podium, that kind of thing. Typically mm -hmm. if, if you're like a late, later round pick, um, not everybody goes, obviously you don't go up on stage kind of as, as the rounds go on, they go a little bit quicker, that kind of thing. So our draft was in LA and, and I have a bunch of friends that went there for the draft that got drafted higher than me, that kind of thing. Um, decided not to go because it was the same time as uh, my high school graduation mm -hmm. at, at SJR there. So really what happened was I uh, day one goes by and, and day one's round one. So uh, that evening round one went by the following day was round two to seven so you kind of followed all day uh round two i think starts in the morning it's probably like two three o'clock by round three and four um and and five six seven kind of go by pretty quickly in the early evening so i actually was watching all day um kind of just following along trying not to get my hopes up because you never know what's going to happen i talked to uh probably a handful of teams before the draft but uh, it was probably five o'clock and I was in the shower uh, getting ready to put my, you know, high school graduation suit on and, and go to graduation with all my best friends at SJR. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, and I remember my dad banging on the door and just saying, Atlanta just took you. So <laughs> I was in the shower, um, gave a little yell, you know, with, fist pump and uh mm -hmm. and that was kind of that was kind of it i got out of the shower like a minute later and probably had you know 50 messages on my phone so that was kind of how i found out about it uh atlanta called probably 15 20 minutes later and told me that they drafted me I talked to rick dudley who was the gm there at that time and uh pretty cool experience phone call i'll always remember um you know and that was kind of my first taste of uh, pro hockey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you really care that that was the last ever Atlanta Thrasher? <laughs> Is that something that you know about and that you kind of care about? And you're like, oh, yeah, I, I get to go around and tell people I was <laughs> the last ever Atlanta Thrasher's draft pick in their franchise history. That I, I don't, yeah. Okay. That's I don't know cool. if it's a good thing or a bad thing, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they saw my name and decided we're done here. That's good enough <laughs> for us, you know. Or, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool. I essentially feel like a trivia question, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I I don't know if you guys know, but Tom Brady was drafted one ninety nine too. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> feel like we're similar players. Um, but uh yeah you know it's it's kind of cool it's uh nice to kind of be that stat but other than that it was it was kind of just more for the experience and everything and, and looking back on it um the draft didn't didn't have a huge impact on, on my career other than the fact that I got to 
essentially my rights got tra- transferred when when everything moved to Winnipeg here. So um, very fortunate in, in that situation. But uh, yeah, as far as being the last overall pick, uh, <laughs> don't know how much uh, I think about that anymore. Back, back to the uh, education side for a second. What did you end up studying at uh, college? Uh, I took in in uh, in Colorado there I took uh, economics mm. uh, graduated with an economics degree there and then actually since then I've gone back to school and got my MBA as well so um, kind of more the business track I guess I suppose yeah. is, is what you would call it mm-hmm. so let's talk about you playing in Colorado College what was your rookie season like in Colorado Again, that's like, it's, it's really the first time. So when I moved to Des Moines, uh, you, junior hockey, you have billets. So essentially you live with a family that, that is willing to kind of, um, you know, house you, feed you, yeah. kind of learn the ropes of, of living on your own. And, um, but at the end of the day, you always have that kind of support system that, you know, the fam. I had an amazing family there, John and Sherry Burns, who I still talk to to this day. Um, you know, they, they help you through a lot of stuff that, you know, you don't really cook all the time. Uh, she was an angel. She did my laundry, that kind of stuff. So depends on the billet family you're in on, on, uh, kind of how much you have to do or not do. Uh, they were amazing. So I, to be completely honest with you, didn't do much, uh, kind of lived the same way that I would at home. And, uh, Colorado was again, that kind of that it's that first time you're on your own you know nobody wakes you up to go to class and and nobody feeds you and uh it's really your first experience of being on your own and uh being an adult and and uh it was awesome you know what i I learned a lot um made a lot of mistakes you know did a lot of things well figured out you kind of figure out who you are pretty quickly and and what kind of person you want to be because uh, again, you don't have that adult supervision over you all the time. And you're kind of influenced more by your peers and, and the players on your team and the people that you surround yourself around at, at school and in class and, and on the ice, that kind of thing. So, um, you know what, Colorado was, was probably my favorite time of, I've, I've ever had. Um, freshman year was, <laughs> was no different. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, a, it was a great spot to be in. And like I said, it, f- it feels like it was yesterday. I, I, I uh, you know, can picture being in my dorm room, can picture walking in that first day and meeting my roommates, that kind of thing. So uh, it was an unbelievable experience. I would, I highly recommend that if anybody, uh, athletics or not, if you can go away for school and, and uh, have that be a part of, you know, growing up, I would, I would certainly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now moving um, to the AHL, what was the transition from college hockey to the AHL? Again, uh, another big step that's that's quite radical and, and quite different. It's the really the first time that you see, again, kind of going back, political might not be the right word, but it's just, it's a business now. And mm-hmm. it hums along whether you're there or not. And it's it's both what makes the game great and what makes kind of that that grind to the NHL so fun. Um, 
it is you're you're for the first time you're really playing against everybody is a man out there and everybody is big and everybody is fast and if you take you know a shift off you're gonna pay for it and um there are really really good players and and you learn pretty quickly that there are a lot of good hockey players out there more than there are spots in a league in the, on a team, that kind of thing. So unfortunately at the end of the day, a lot of good hockey players, um, you know, will get bumped down to lower leagues. And, and that was kind of really the first time I experienced that. It was, it was, it was really the first time in my career where I wasn't kind of like a go-to guy um, right off the hop. You know, I would, I would get healthy scratch, that kind of thing, because there, like I said, a lot of good players out there. Um, it was really, uh, and, and learning that and seeing that and, and, and just knowing that it's, it's now people's jobs and that they have families at home that they need to provide for and, and they'll really do anything to keep that job kind of thing. So, um, not that you don't see that in, in every other business as well, but it is really a, um, it's kind of a doggy dog business and, and the good side of it though is, is, you know, you're playing a game for a living and, and you get to meet some incredible people because um, you know, that grind that I talk about going through and, and kind of having to face that and, and learn that side of the game is, it is fun too. You know, you build relationships with people who are going through the same thing as you. It's like you come to the rink and you, you don't know if your bag's going to be there. You don't know if your nameplate is still going to be on your locker. Um, it's really a different experience than, than kind of college and junior where typically when you make the team, you're on the team all year kind of thing. Um, it was really my first experience of uh, how bad do you want this? Do you, do you really want to sacrifice other things to, to try to stay here and, and do this? Because it's hard. And like I said, a lot of great people, a lot of great players. And um, it's, a, it's a really cool business when, when you're on the inside of it. So I'm really glad I was able to do that and, and stick around in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. So this is more on the fan side of, and kind of also the business side, I guess, of the of hockey. So let's go back to the summer of 2011 when the Jets were purchased or the Thrashers were purchased by True North and then they were moving to Winnipeg. So of course that's kind of interesting because you grew up in Winnipeg. So I'm assuming you would be a Jets fan. I'm hoping, please say you're a Jets fan. You know what? I grew up, there were no jets when I grew up. Right. So, um, so, and the way it worked back in, back in my day when there was no really internet to stream hockey or, uh, you know, satellite to record games or PVR to record games was hockey night in Canada would start, uh, at, uh, you know, six o'clock and the first game would always be Toronto. So (laughs) I was actually, admittedly, I was, I was a Leafs fan growing up because that was the game I always got to watch and then I'd either fall asleep or have to go to bed before uh, Calgary, Edmonton or Vancouver played in the evening. So um, I would always watch that Toronto game and then uh, kind of fall asleep from there. So Toronto was kind of my team growing up. Um, Obviously as I became part of the Jets organization, that changed, but uh, yeah, growing up, I was uh, was a Leafs fan. (laughs) I almost want to end this meeting right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But 
Uh, where, where I was kind of going with that, with, about the Jets moving, was uh, what did you think when you heard the news that, oh, I might be able to get to play in Winnipeg now, uh, when you heard that the Thrashers, that you weren't going to be playing in Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, your first thought is, wow, like, what are the chances that this happened to me? Um, I think at the time I was the one of the only uh, Manitoba guys uh, on the team. Uh, maybe Jay Gregoire was in St. John's and uh, Kevin Clark, maybe uh, can't, but uh, you know, it's, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, throughout my whole career, uh, not a lot of seventh round draft picks ever play in the NHL. I mean, a lot do, but a lot don't as well. So I always tried to, you know, taper my expectations, but um, you know, the fact that you had that chance or have that chance and, um, at the time, St. John's was still the affiliate, so out there in Newfoundland. Um, so, so kind of more realistically, that was my entry point into uh, into pro hockey. So, kind of understood that as well. But just kind of knowing that that it was a, a potential if you know everything everything went well uh, was was pretty cool. And obviously, uh, getting to know Chipper and and that crew over over the past. Uh, six seven eight years here um it's amazing what what he's been able to do bringing bringing that team here and, and for the city and everything and can't say enough good things about about those guys and, and the organization so um yeah the fact that you know they they stuck with me through through the past uh like i said eight eight years or 10 years since i was drafted whatever it was um you know, I, I'm just forever grateful for that. And uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Mm-hmm. So also with teams relocating, uh, the St. John's, the Jets St. John's, because the St. John's team, of course, still existed after the the St. John's Ice Caps moved back to Manitoba. But I think it was Montreal's St. John's team that went to St. John's. But anyways, that's beside the point. What did you think when you heard that the Manitoba Moose are going to be a thing again and that you're going to get to play for them? Yeah, again, uh, my first my first couple games were in St. John's, and they moved that summer. So mm-hmm. I think I played maybe a handful of games, maybe ten games in St. John's. Uh, how it typically works is at the end of the year, uh, some of the junior guys and college guys come in, and you essentially get a month long tryout kind of thing. So the coaches and management see you play a couple pro games at the end of the year before you go into your first full year. So got to play some games in St. John's there. And then when, when the team moved back to Manitoba, like I kind of mentioned before, uh, didn't really know where I'd fall. Um, every year guys get drafted and more guys come in. So I was in college for four years, which meant four, four years of drafted guys were behind me. Um, seven picks a year. That means, you know, quick mouth will tell you that 28 guys came in, um, since I was drafted. So I knew there'd be a lot of competition there. Obviously there are guys that are on the team already. So uh, you kind of have to compete for jobs there as well. So I didn't really know where I, I would fit to be completely honest with you. So I just came in and uh, did everything I could to stay in Manitoba and, and whether I was playing or not in my first year, just tried to do everything that I could to, you know, help the team and be a good teammate and, and stick around there because um, I knew when there was an opportunity there that that uh, I would do everything that I could to try to capitalize on it. 
-hmm. So talking about your experiences as a moose, like being named the captain and um, having a good playoff run in uh, 2018, uh, what was what were those experiences like? Yeah, I mean, uh, just the fact that you get to play at, at home, pro hockey in front of your family, friends, like it's it just the longer I played, the more you just realize it doesn't happen really anywhere like it, it is so few and far between that you see that that I just became more and more grateful for the fact that I got to do that for a lot of years and um you know kind of as my career progressed um we had we had a couple of good teams there and, and we had a couple of good years and that that playoff run there was um really cool uh really tight knit group of guys a lot of those guys are now in the nhl having great careers um really cool to see happy for all of them um and it's cool to be just like a little part of their journey as well right so um that was all that was all more than i ever could have asked for and then the year after that um again still kind of one of those conversations you'll always remember talking to our coach uh pascal uh called me into his office and, and just told me I was going to be the next captain of the team. When honestly, my, my best friend, uh, kind of playing one of my best friends was, uh, Patrice Cormier, who was the captain before me and, and we were roommates and, and then he left for, for another opportunity elsewhere. So, um, became the captain of the moose. And, and like I said, it's, it's still, you know, years after it still doesn't really register that, you know, bump into people and they recognize you as the captain of the moose and um you know all my friends and and people always you know people still refer to me as a captain of the moose or former captain of the moose and it just it still doesn't really register it just i can't believe that was me and i did that and um obviously a lot of people and uh had a huge influence on on uh my success and, and me being able to be in that position so um we'd be here for a really long time if I kind of named them all, but um, I really do appreciate what, what a lot of people did for me growing up and, and when I was there and, and teaching me and coaching me and helping me learn so that, uh, that I could be a, a good captain for that team. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a bit off the, off the rails, but if I were to tell you, tell you as a kid that you would one day be the captain of the Manitoba Moose, uh, what would you tell me? <laughs> yeah I probably probably wouldn't believe you right away because I mean I always refer to it and I, I refer to it in a lot of interviews I've, that I've done is just when you look back on some of the names that were captain of the moose um you know Mike Keane and Nolan Baumgartner and um you know Randy Carlisle and, and Scott Arneal and um these guys are probably guys that, that you might not remember but uh <laughs> they're uh you know, they were really, really, really good hockey players. And, and, and really more importantly than that, they were really good people that um, to this day helped me out, you know, and, and people that I called upon when I needed help. And um, those guys all have done great things for the city of Winnipeg and, and the province of Manitoba. So um, just to kind of be in the same breath as them is, is really humbling. And it's, it's um, like I said, it's still pretty surreal, which is, which is crazy to say down the line, um, you know, after it's all happened, but 
it's 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 a very very cool uh, it was a very cool time in my life and um, something that I'm very fortunate to uh, have been able to do. So you were awarded um, the 2019 Julian Klim Q. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Community Service Award um, in the AHL. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, it's kind of just kind of what I talked about there, and um, you know, it's, there's there's so much that there's so much more to the game than than the game. And, and as soon as um, we've done quite a few public speaking events, uh, things along those lines and, you know, talking to, to kids, adults, anyone who will listen to me, <laughs> to be quite honest with you, um, there's the game is awesome. I, I love the game. I think we all do. Um, there's so much more to it than, than just what happens on the ice and, and your ability to influence people and affect lives and use your voice for good is, is so much like not, not more important, but it's, it's just so needed. And, and those people that, that I looked up to the, the people that I mentioned before, the previous captains of the moose, the, the owner, you know, like Chipper and Zinger and, and Chevy and all those guys in management, like they like watching them do things on a daily basis that the general public would have no idea that they do, you know, like going out of their way to help people and do things around the community that, you know, are not, are not necessarily expected of you, but go so far and, and do so much that, um, you know, it was really easy for me to kind of just follow their lead and and really that was all I did I don't don't feel like I I ever um you know the last thing anybody ever thinks of is an award in that fashion but you just kind of go about your day and um like you guys see it and 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 I I hope you see it now and, and maybe you don't now but later just being around the people at SJR like how much people care about other people and it's um you know what, there are certain areas in, of life where, you're, where you don't see that. And until you kind of see that side where you don't see people care about each other and you don't see people go out of their way to help people, then you really you really understand how how powerful and, and influential you can be. So um, I guess with the, with the platform I had, I just, you know, tried to do everything I could to kind of hold up my end of the bargain. And um, I was given so much and I, I think there's a quote somewhere along the lines of, you know, to, to who, uh, you know, to uh, someone who's given a lot, like a lot is expected. Right. So I just tried to hold up my end of the bargain and, and I was given a lot and fortunate and people helped me. So I just tried to help them. And, and it's really as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So we're running out of time in the meeting. So we're, um, I'll, I'll ask right, you. Sorry, I talk, I talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's fine, but uh, so we've got less than four minutes. So, uh, how did you end up refing in the AHL? That was uh, I'll I'll go quick on this one. Um, got you know it's a it's a rough game too. Um, took a lot of hits, and unfortunately, my head was one of the things that took a lot of the hits. And concussions weren't really a thing growing up. 
Um, that's a whole nother story. Uh, you know, I just definitely preach awareness of safety and, and playing the game cleanly now, but I took a lot of hits to the head. So, uh, I needed to retire and, and just to protect myself and my family and, and stuff along those lines. So, um, but like I said, it's a great game. I love what people can do with the game. So I just tried to get back into it. And, and for me, I love the physical aspect of the game. I like being out there. I like feeling the emotion, that kind of thing. So for me, that was the best way to do it. So I uh, reached out to a few people and uh, ended up back in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to wrap up this episode, because we're running out of time, do you have any funny hockey stories? Funny hockey stories. Um, I got, you know, like most, like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of cool things that, that go on on the ice. Most of the funny ones happen off the ice. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to the iceplex. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple guys were late for practice one day, my first year in, in pro. <laughs> and one of the older guys uh, got uh, found two shovels for them and it was snowing out there that day. So they, uh, <laughs> They spent uh, quite a while shoveling the parking lot out there. So, um, you know, just holding people accountable. Um, there was a lot of snow that day. So that was a, that was a pretty funny one. Um, you know, going out for team meals and the shoe check side of things. I don't know if you guys know what that is. And you go try to put some sauce on somebody's shoe and, and then tap your glass. And, and if they don't, they don't notice. And then you tap your glass and they got to get up and sing a song. So, um, you know, cool stuff like that, that, uh, um, you know, happens behind the scenes off the ice. With that, that is it for it, it for this episode. I cannot speak today. Thank you very much for joining yeah, us. Thank you so much. Um, we hope to see you soon, hopefully. And uh, for everyone at home, stay safe. And thank you very much. Thank you.